you guys. This is Lindsay, your host of Life Through a Distorted Lens. How have you been? I am really sorry that I, I did not record a podcast and put it out, um, I guess that was last week, because I was busy picketing in Washington, D.C. for womenpicketdc.org. Um, it was uh, a great event, and yeah, we made history. I'm very proud of the work that I did. And very proud of the work that the women I got to know and that I'm a really good friend. I'm really good friends with now. Um, the work they did. Shout out to the D programmer. You're fucking amazing. Uh, you carried basically the whole thing. Uh, shout out to Amy Souza. You're also amazing. Uh, very near and dear to me. Shout out to Charlie Ray, wonderful writer and just really <laughs> go getter. I hate to say that word because it sounds silly, but I really mean it. Um, Isabella, you're wonderful. Your work has always been amazing. Very, very thoughtful, sweet, gentle soul. Um, she brought some body oil for us ladies. I think her friend made, if I'm not mistaken, it's really nice body oil. It smells amazing. Um, shout out to Jess, our house mom who took care of us. I really appreciate her work, um, through and through, like having someone take care of your stuff, um, in terms of food and just caring for the everyone in the house was amazing to have. Anyway, this week I have on the lovely Charlie Ray. She is a writer and I'm just going to have her tell her about, tell you guys about herself here now on my podcast. Without further ado, let's get into this show. Yeah, <laughs> I always do the hi, yay! I have on the amazing Charlie Ray. And we met at the Women Picket DC event, and I listened to her talk, and we talked multiple times, and I was like, I want her on for sure. So, Charlie, you can just honestly launch into your journey. Let's let's hear it. Yeah, it. sure. Yeah. Well, I just want to say I loved meeting you in DC, and that's why I'm here, just to, like, chat with you. Um, I guess my journey started, especially with activism, you know, feminism and stuff. It started like 10 years ago. I was pretty young. Um, I'm 30 now. So I think I was about 20. It was a little earlier than that. Um, but yeah, it started because I think it was just because the kids around me were kind of getting activated and, you know, figuring out the world that we live in and grew up in and stuff like that. And that's really where it started was that like um, just a basic place of like, what's happening, you know, especially uh -huh. with school. Like, I remember when we were really young, we used to do um, sign petitions and stuff so that we could have, you know, more clothes to wear in our uniforms and stuff like that. Oh, so did you guys have a uniform school? Where, what state yeah. was this or where was this? So I grew up in Connecticut originally. I went to Two Rivers Magnet Middle School. There were so many good things about it. Like it was a technology school. But yeah, we had, we had like strict uniforms. We used to do petitions for stuff like that. What's technology <laughs> school mean? So we had, everyone had a laptop and we had smart boards in every room and we would go out. Oh, so they're like the projector screens that you can write on the projection. So. Yeah, okay. yeah. Hmm. So that was fun. Yeah. We used to go out every, set, every Thursday to do like science experiments outside and stuff like that. So it was really That's like fun. technology integrated. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. That was high school you said? So that was middle school. Oh, middle school. Good. Yeah. Did you have to be like accepted into that school or is that like just the school that was around? Yeah, it was a lottery. It was actually my oh. sister was interested in it because my sister was kind of the book nerd and I was kind of the artsy kid. Mm -hmm. So because she was accepted into it, I ended up getting accepted into it, but it oh, ended up being a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds really cool. Yeah. So what about all the petition stuff and whatnot and how you get, I'm, I'm just, I'm in my thirties and I got more involved and I guess 
now hilariously politics um being active just about you know this transgender crap um but previously i was just never into that stuff not that i'm like against it but i always thought like protesting is like angry people that can't change the world which sounds terrible or just it felt like people just crazy um which is so stupid i can't believe how many judgments i have about like real life shit people finding about real stuff it's it's just nuts i i don't know i think it's because i grew up in the south and my what my parents said about shit but enough about me um it's just i'm i'm interested or it's intriguing that you got interested in all this like younger uh in your 20s versus me in my 30s so you're yeah like definitely <laughs> that's my cats they chase oh, each other you around. <laughs> i love that i assumed it's him <laughs> Never mind. Sorry. Oh, I'll, I'll edit that out. No, I won't. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Go ahead. My bad. No, it's okay. Yeah, but I think I agree. You know, there's some taboo around protesting and being socially active. Um, I Yeah, we started when we were young, but I definitely always understood that there was a taboo around protesting. And we started to, we actually started skipping school to go to protest when I was in high school. Oh, wow. So I just kind of got involved early, but I definitely see it from an outside perspective. So actually what I was going to say was I'm actually not a feminist anymore in the sense that um, it became increasingly difficult over time to have any political allegiance mm. because I was becoming an independent journalist. And so it was almost for the sake of defining who I was that I ended up like formally separating from radical feminism and feminism in general because um, my path was really as an individual to write about journalism. And I was seeing that there was what people might call purity culture or like um, purity politics, where if you make certain decisions, then you're, it's like comes into question whether or not you're a feminist oh, um, because purity of decisions culture? that you, I don't know. Can yeah, you, I don't know. you find that? I've, I've sort of heard <clears> of it. Yeah, yeah. So it just depends on like how feminist you are. Um, hmm. So for example, like um, I guess wearing makeup or dressing up in the feminine role is like you, you're not, a people will say you're not a feminist if you, but that's just like one example, you know, it's, yeah. it expands to all different beliefs on like controversial issues, um, all the poli like political issues of the day. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. And so just my path really led to independent journalism and I've worked with, many organizations over the years as like art director. I've been hired as uh, an like official photographer for different campaigns. Um, I worked as a writing lead for this past Women Picket DC. Um, I've worked with a lot of different organizations, but I just try to retain my independence as a journalist, I guess. So honestly, a wise idea. Yeah, I hate, I don't know, it's funny, the 90s was this, don't label me. Uh, I'm not a fan of being like, oh, I'm a radical feminist. I'm not against it. Like, I know what it means, I guess. Actually, I don't know what the fuck it is. I mean, I do, but like, <laughs> are there rules? I, I don't think there's rules. I, I definitely do not agree with the, oh, you're wearing makeup or, oh, you think this. Oh, you use the word demon. Someone the other day tried to say the word <laughs> demon is a, wh a white patriarchal term. And I was like, <laughs> and block. I don't know. I just don't that. And like, and that's okay if they think that. I'm not here to police their opinion on that. Like, I'm not okay. But yeah. I'm like, well, it's not how I see it. And like, I, I think right. I see what they're saying, but I'm like, oh, that's just not me. And yeah. Um, and you know, there's so many cultural nuances. Like once in a feminist group, people got really upset with me for saying lady. But then I realized that the feminist group is British. So it's oh. like lady is like a, a different term there. 
you know, whereas like it wouldn't be as considered as um, misogynistic in the United States. So it's like, yeah, (laughs) I've seen someone say that in a Facebook group. It wasn't the word girl. And I think it might have been. I think it was that as well. And I, I don't remember what word it was, but I was like, what? I was like, I don't. But that's interesting. Yeah, I guess I didn't think about the cultural different country thing. And that's a really good point. Yeah. Yep, 100%. And I yes. do think it's really important to get into the nuances. But um, I think people can easily become dogmatic and lose a sense of objectivity and um, logic, I guess. Yeah, it's really not the focus. I mean, that's going to distract you immensely from, I would think, the core issue, what you're initially or what you initially started fighting for. It just sounds like a huge distraction. It sounds like someone's putting the uh, focus on other people, like judgments. I just I can't stand judgments. I'm like, no one's perfect. And I've seen this uh, occasionally. Um, I feel like I see it more online, honestly, because of course people get more judgy and honest online. Where I'm like, oh, it, I feel like people are judging other women for not being the perfect feminists. And I'm like, I'm so over that shit. Um, everyone, you don't know where these people are in their journey. I am a baby rat. I don't even like that term. I don't like saying that. I'm just new in this journey of mm-hmm. finding my femaleness. I don't even like, well, I was going to say I don't like using the word woman because they're trying to use that word. But fuck that. No, I am a woman, damn it. Um, <laughs> so I just... Yeah, I don't like judging and I wish people wouldn't judge, but whatever. Anyhow, get on with yeah. the, your thing. And, you know, I wish we just had better parameters for judgment. Like, I think that judgment is necessary in society to decide, you know, what's good and what's bad, what's helpful and what's hurtful. But, like, yeah, when you cross over into dogma and are no longer able to process why something's good or bad or, yeah, even trying to understand, like I just said, simple cultural differences where it's like, okay, this this person's motivation isn't to be misogynistic if they just come from a different culture and being able to communicate those things and finding the balance between those things because there is nuance to this discussion and everything is kind of very specific. But then on the other hand, yeah, just like attacking people for a word choice that they might not have even thought deeply about um, seems counterproductive. A hundred percent. Yeah. So it's awesome all the uh, work you've gotten done. And, and it sounds like you felt respected in these roles that, you know, as soon as you feel anyone feels respect, they take their job more serious because um, I've seen how you work and it's it's awesome. You're efficient and ready to rock and your writing is great. And you're just, a, I don't know, you're one of those people that has that fire and seriousness in what they're doing, um, which is great to see because it, it really does shatter my own, like I said, judgment about, um, being uh, an advocate or picketing or protesting and speaking out against stuff because it's really it's it's a passion it's not like someone being whiny right right and that taboo of mm. like that when people do stand up it seems like they're disrupting society or going against society or sort of being needlessly okay, Karen, demanding like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah Enough of that shit okay I figured yeah. out what Karen's are Karen's is just women that stand up for shit like and then the guests who are saying it, men being like, okay, Karen, like, oh, it's obnoxious. And even I fell into that saying that word. But then I was like, this is dumb. It's just women being like, I don't think so. And men mm-hmm. are usually the ones that don't like confrontation. So, of course, they would be like, eh, they're no fun or whatever. It's just dumb. I figured that out quite fast. But yeah. Anyway. And that's the nuance now of being able to mm-hmm. really listen to a situation, really listen to what people's motivations are people's fears or people's upsetness and how did you get there's to so many place? were you always that receptor uh, intuitive like there's something you I don't think to? I was mm-hmm. yeah no I think that like especially there's something in youth I think that like 
the younger activists are going through it now where there's a sense of like urgency and there's a sense of like, we need to make intense demands. And I think that's where it comes from that it's like, as soon as someone disagrees, they're shunned or they're called a Nazi or a bigot because, and I think it does come from a good place. I think it comes from a, almost a self-righteous place of like, I need to stand up for people and I need to do it now. I need to do it intensely. But when you're in that mode of thought a lot, um, you become less discerning of when it's needed. And so I do think that that kind of energy is needed in some context, but being able to, yeah, discern and measure when it's needed and when it's not needed and like what's going to be the most productive and what your goal is. Um, and maybe it's just because I got it got started so early that I took such a long journey in activism that I saw these things over and over again, people turning on each other, yeah. you know, not being effective, not organizing well, you know, so it does come from experience being able to see a mature way of going about it, you know? And I think people look down on that a lot, especially like if they want to call themselves a radical because they want to be, they want to be in the fight. They want to be, you know, tough and, and, and making the demands that they, that they think are needed. And you can get lost in that really quickly. I think. Absolutely. You have blinders on. Yeah. Um, yes. And I, I understand the, you know, passion and, we have to do something now. And I really do think it's people are seeing it like the new gay rights thing where it's like, you know, whatever rights. Um, it's crazy. I, I get why people have fallen into this. Like, I, I get it. Like, if you believe someone's born in the wrong body, of course, you'd be like, this is, you know, you're a whatever. Actually, I don't understand the whole name calling. It is the, it is a, the youth thing. It's 100 um, percent rebelling. It's just a high rebellious state of mind. And it's really unfortunate because I, you know, I won't even engage in like, if they have an anime avatar, I, I don't know, I just tell that they're young. And I'm like, I feel wrong even combating you like online. Because I'm like, you don't know, you're really misled. I don't even engage. Right. Um, and they're children. And that's one yeah. thing that I've said, I got I've gotten brought into conferences before to talk about especially transgender activists, you know, and that's kind of the nuance that I'm talking about. We want to hate them, right? There's this idea of like, oh, they're taking away our rights. They're attacking our structures of society and we want to hate them. But it's like, these are mostly misguided children. Yeah. And I'd say it all. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And one of the things I've talked about too before is that the thing that children psychologically are hardwired to do because of our cognitive abilities is to find an identity. And that's why they're picking this up. It's this complex language of being able to figure out an identity. And so I don't even think it's helpful at the end of the day to paint people who believe in transgenderism as hateful. I don't because I think it's mostly misguided children who want to find their identity, who want to define themselves, who want yeah. they want a complex textured language to be able to define themselves. Yeah, where you feel special. Who doesn't want to mm -hmm. feel special and not only feel special, but you're immediately recognized um, for your specialness. Are you kidding me? Like I get yeah. why a, ch uh, a child or not even a child, anyone would, would latch onto this real fast. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's given, I've said this, you know, the awkward people, the nerds, the people that aren't listened to, um, spectrum, whatever you want to say, yeah. someone who are made fun of, they, it gives them ultimate power where nobody can touch them. Who the hell would not want that? Everyone exactly. wants that. Everyone wants power, which is ultimately is destructive, but like, it's so mind fucky. Cause yeah. I'm like, I get it. Like, I get it. I fully get it. I've always loved being an individual and 
different and standing out. I know I would have fallen into this like real fast. Like it's crazy. It's so mm-hmm. twisted. It's so frustrating because it's like, first of all, I just don't, how the hell are you going to convince a young person that it's what they're doing is not what it seems like they, a lot of young people just don't want to hear it. And people in general, if we're, I don't know. just, I always feel like we're screwed because it's mm-hmm. just the most brilliant. You know, yeah. Go ahead. And that's the difficult thing too, is that, like you're saying, like, I would have latched onto this. I was a tomboy, you know? So I grew up thinking those same thoughts about wanting to be a boy or like kind of wanting to switch personalities. And I think the most sad part when I was, um, it was like from my earliest memories until middle school, Mm -hmm. I, I hung out with mostly boys and I was in Taekwondo and stuff. So, and I cut my hair short. So I had all those thoughts of like, should I been born? Mm -hmm. But it was mostly Mm -hmm. before puberty, which as I understand from the literature, that's pretty much like after puberty, ma- the majority of children will end up by identifying as their sex. Yeah, but or just being like Never desisting. Mind. Mm-hmm. Same thing happened to me. Yeah. And yeah, it's those nuances that we need to be able to hold with us because, so for example, if transgenderism wasn't eroding our social rights and if it wasn't medicalizing children, it would probably be like being a skater, you know, or be yeah. like being emo when we were in school. Yeah. Where it's like you just wear funny, you know, you just wear clo- cool clothes or whatever you, whatever you want. And yeah. you kind of have this look to you and you have a crowd and and then you grow out of it in, in like four years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's, yeah. You know, everyone goes through an awkward, awkward phase, um, some sort of a, I was this, you know, people. Um, I hate mentioning Reddit, but here I am. I spent so many of my years on Reddit. I already admitted that. But um there's like a, it's called blunder years where people post photos from their like middle school of like just funny looking stuff. Like, I can't believe I looked like this or wore this. Yeah. It's like, it happens to everyone, if I'm not mistaken, where people go, yeah. oh my God, I can't believe I wore that. I can't believe I wore yeah. that lipstick or whatever. So I'm like, I, don't know, I, I hate to say it, but that whole, it's just a phase thing. It's not a phase, mom. It really <laughs> is. Like yeah. what, what identity that youth has chosen or uh, one singular youth person that they've stuck with in their adulthood like do we know like is there anything like you usually i don't want to say and i I don't want to be insensitive of like you're going to grow out of it or that's not really you because in the moment it really is you and that is your life um but there's nothing people just shift and (laughs) fluid oh god their language is so it's so metic. It's so perfectly. There, whoever did this shit is brilliant. I there are accuracies. There are accuracies, and that's the thing. You know, yeah. like True. if if yeah. any individual person wanted to understand transgenderism, all you have to do is study child psychology, because mm. it's like this is just textbook. Like rebelling from your parents, creating your own identity, like um, like rebelling against society. This is cyclical. It happens yeah. every generation. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just such a normal thing. And that's, the, that's the thing that's so important is like, we just need to push out into society that like, we can't make, you know, plastic surgery is really dangerous, for example. So Chopping like, body where it's making it cool and trendy. The mm-hmm. fuck? That's insane. No, wear what you want. But like, when you yeah. become, pr- it's not like emo kids are like chopping their arms off, you know, like <laughs> and taking things that halt your natural bro- uh, body process. Um, yeah it's this whole thing yeah it's funny that I, I i would have no problem with it if it wasn't infringing on our fucking existence and our rights 
and our spaces um, and also destroying bodies. You mm-hmm. only get one body. Um, you know, I'm okay with you. You're that. Okay. You're a uh, attack helicopter or earbud gender, whatever. Okay. Pet, pet. But as soon as you start destroying your one shell, your own, your real self, your body, your caring system of your mind, that is where I have a huge problem with it. Um, right. You know, and big pharma having a, they're sucking their teeth and their claws into it. God. Mm-hmm. Making so much money off of synthetic hormones. Oh it's God. Off label. All of it yeah. is off label. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's scary. <laughs> yes. Without without long term studies, without con- like consent and like informed consent. Yep. Uh, yeah. Well, how did we get here? Yeah. How did we get here? Yeah. It's and I think question. those. Those messages are so important to carry forward and to – that's why I was saying like I really don't like the approach where we're just saying everyone's hateful that believes in this because it's just not true, you know. And if we can impart that information of like not all of this is bad, like of course kids want to figure out their own identity. It's just a normal part of psychology. But like plastic yeah. surgery is dangerous. That's the line, you yeah, know. Plus with the invention of the internet and I keep saying this like – Oh, God, I forgot his name. The guy who invented propaganda. Like, I don't know if it was the 20s or the 10s or whatever. You know, they've had technically like over 100 years to perfect that. And that was some still sneaky propaganda stuff all about the torches of freedom. Go check out the D programmer on YouTube. She has amazing videos about the father of propaganda. Like if they started that back then and they've had this many years to perfect propaganda and with the access of the internet like i believe we're being manipulated and whatever without us even knowing what techniques they're using um because we know the techniques they use uh from maybe 15 years ago but like what's happening right now that in 10 years we're gonna go oh my god i didn't even know that was that um where's i going with that oh no they um, have entire teams of people who are studying the effects of advertisements especially all the selling uh your data and whatnot for how many fucking years like when i first started using the internet oh my god i like signed up for all these free um like sample and coupon websites because you get like free shit in the mail i'm like a free diaper sure that's fucking weird don't need it want it because it was free but i would give my i don't know i love i said diaper oh not that people not that anyway (laughs) Um, but like, uh, I, I gave, I gave like all my data for like willingly. And that was when I was like in middle school, my God, I mean, they have everything on me. So especially when you give a, a child access to the internet, Instagram and all this stuff, they sign up for all this shit. You think they're reading the, um, whatever it's called, the, the fine privacy. print of everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> First of all, kids aren't going to read it. Half of the adults are reading it. Um, so with that, they're obviously able to twist. I mean, the whole, um, social dilemma netflix thing is mm-hmm. honestly going oh it's right pure anarchy it's pure and that's where transgenderism is a part of that it's just it's a free-for-all <laughs> yes free grab what you want <laughs> yeah you be know, whoever you be whatever do whatever it's it's truly you can be whatever you want time yeah <laughs> sounds good by uh, nature but i was listening to uh gender through a wider lens uh sasha ayad and stella o'malley and it's a wonderful podcast i'm like name dropping everywhere um, but I do a lot of research. Dang it. Anyway, uh, they were talking, one of the recent podcasts, they were talking about how some, um, I think it was some anorexic or desisted 
woman was following this Instagram account that or multiple Instagram accounts that were non-binary people. And the non-binary look of the people she was following was extremely emaciated. And she was receptive or perceptive enough to realize that that was affecting her um, image of her own body. So she was smart enough, this girl, to start following other accounts that were other bodies to like snap out of that. And that right there was a great example of how social media and apparently especially instagram which is the most destructive some study which i fully believe it because it does that visual comparison thing where it's Mm -hmm. instagram is mostly images honestly twitter's text a lot and some images but it's impossible i think well i think it's impossible for humans not to compare themselves to what they see um and i think a lot of it is just subconscious as well where you could be confident about your body but if you're just fed that you know, if you follow that, a lot of those accounts that would honestly, of course, it would mess your mind up because you're like, it's a human body. You connect with that because it's a human and you know, you're a human. I think it honestly would easily seep into you and make you be like, oh, I'm too fat or whatever. Um, I just thought that was terrifying and kind of stuff that I stepped back and rethought about, you know, social media and how much it is influencing. I mean, all of like, I think twisting the fucking kids, Tumblr and TikTok, uh, reddit all i mean it's just really opened the gates for groomers to walk freely um yeah it's horrifying and no one's putting a yeah. stop to it because it's like whatever people could probably couldn't prove i don't know ah it's scary. it's a free-for-all and then and then you have the kids on the other hand who are saying like if you go against their culture you're a bigot you're an actual bigot for hating and you hate their culture just because you would critique it in some way for example yeah. like especially when you're talking about Like there's always kind of this gap between what's um, acceptable to an older generation, what's acceptable to a younger generation. Yeah. But for example, like violent pornography, like, you know, when you grow up in that world as the younger kids have and they see it as so ingrained in their own culture, then you have this massive cultural riff, you know, where then it's so easy for the children to look at the adults and be like, you live in the old world. You're, you're just a bigot. You live in the old world, you know? Yeah. And like, yeah. you're right. It's, it's like grooming because you become accustomed to how life is, you think life is, you know, and not even understanding, like if you had grown up in a world without it, the yes. difference in health that you Huge. might experience. Huge. Yeah. Social media, the internet is not real life. And I mm-hmm. think even I forget that. Um, ew, it's so bad, especially when you're young and you're trying or you're coming into this world and trying to understand everything and you're you look at because i've hung out with my nieces and nephews recently and you know one of them uses instagram and i'm like oh god no yeah not good they got like, you yeah. well she's not allowed to use like uh <laughs> tiktok or i think her account is private i don't know i'm like it doesn't matter because it's just gonna seep in there she can she's she can use youtube and i'm like oh god um i don't know where i was going with that um but yeah, youth, the youth are lost, you know. They... <laughs> well, I just don't think they're able to realize and really be able to really grasp that that is not real life because right. you just have, you haven't grown up and gone through a lot of life stuff yet, um, which is why no kid should be able to be able to uh, be like, oh, I need hormone blockers or otherwise I'm going to die. I'm like, what? Right. What? No. Right. Oh my God. I just, and honestly, that imbalance of maturity where it's like yeah. kids are making these super mature decisions, but yeah. they're not actually held to a standard of maturity. Like they're not expected to have calm dialogue with uh, with each other. Yeah, they're not expected. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Um, yeah, there's this duality there where 
Um, we need to almost assess the level of maturity that each person at each age should be expected to be. <laughs> Isn't that funny how we're able to look at this and just question it? Um, yeah. Not even be like, this is terrible. I mean, it obviously is terrible, but if we, you know, you and I and obviously other people are have been able to question it and be like, well, that isn't how, why are we going to allow them to do this? Mm -hmm. Be the doctor essentially, but they also can't even talk about politics or not politics, but can't even talk about whatever adult topic or right. speak. Mm, it's, it's like, yeah, there's a cognitive dissonance there of like what, like what children are doing, how the role that they play in society. And it's almost like an overcorrection because mm -hmm. like a long time ago, I know when my mom was growing up, she, her generation felt like, Oh, the kids kind of shut up and go to school, mm -hmm. you know? So, and like kids don't play a part in society. Kids don't play mm -hmm. a part in politics. And I think there's this general idea of, that's what I was saying. It's almost like we have to reassess what maturity is because mm -hmm. there just used to be this idea where kids should have no say. And I don't agree with that either. And that's almost mm -hmm. where this overcorrective rebellion is coming from of, well, we can be whoever we want. You're just a bigot if you disagree with us. And there just needs to be some nuance there because I, just stripping power straight away of like, well, you can't have transgenderism. You can't have your identity. I don't think that's going to work either. Because I think this identity plays a very specific and important role for kids, you know? And so uh, it's it's almost a maturity problem, you know, yeah. of like who who gets what, um, when, how, when can we decide things? When do we know things? Like how do we develop into mature adults to know, okay, this is the right time for you to make a mature decision, you know, or like to make a life-changing decision, like going on hormones or something like that. Yeah, plus I honestly think because, you know, it's like, well, how can these parents – be doing this or don't they see what's going on and i think it's obviously multiple things but i really think it's just the fucking propaganda that's been so insanely successful to mm -hmm. where it's reprogrammed or you know programmed parents minds into thinking that this is real and whatever right. the kid says is definite and you know the whole affirmative model thing um and it's really taught society to erase critical thinking and to think and mm -hmm. question and be skeptical and, and remember that you're a caring parent and be like well is this really the best thing because this the effing it's i'm just it's so stupid it's ridiculous yeah. i'm like these no there's so much there's so much emotional manipulation that goes into oh. it enjoying the show show your appreciation by supporting my work by becoming a patron on my patreon Head over to www.patreon.com forward slash distorted lens and choose a tier. You can also leave a donation directly to my PayPal. Head over to my website, lindsayplatotionart.com. Click on the distorted lens podcast link on the top header and click the PayPal button to show your support. Help me continue to bring you creative endeavors and truths each and every week. Thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for your continued support. Now back to the show. Yes, you know that—that's the barrier. I'm, if you don't mm -hmm. give me the hormones, I'm gonna—I'm gonna kill myself. I'm mm -hmm. like, what? Like that is—I've yeah. I've said this before. It's so bad. Um, mm. that's teaching kids that like, uh, and parents like you know that it's real and it's going to cause like a suicide epidemic. I'm gonna have yeah. to assume because they're gonna be like, well, shit, I didn't get the because it really is programming everyone how to think. And mm -hmm. if the kid's like, oh my god, I'm not getting this. Well, I've heard that people kill themselves. I'm going to be more inclined to kill myself because I've heard right. everyone else is doing it. Yeah. And that's absolutely correct. Actually, um, su suicide is a social contagion, which is why 
there are actually journalistic regulations on how mm. to report mm. suicide. And now that you were even talking about suicide, we should mention, you know, if anybody listening to this feels suicidal, they should reach out to a suicide hotline. You can just Google it because there are very specific ways that you that journalists need to discuss suicide because it's contagious. And you can see it in the numbers. If it's reported one way, it'll cause a sort of domino effect of, and it's the same thing. And, you know, that's actually really rife in this community too, which is where the emotional manipulation comes from because it's just in the professional community, it's understood that you're not supposed to talk about suicide that way. Mm. For example, they talk about suicide as an out, like you said, like, it, well, if I can't get this thing, then how do you escape your body? You, you, that's how you, you know what I mean? So, so to be talking about it that way without understanding those journalistic standards is it's something that there's a lot of emotional manipulation. And that's why, again, it's like, it's easy to see that as evil. And I just don't think it's evil, right? It's like, oh, they're gonna hurt themselves, help them. And so that's that's empathy to me. You know, that's, it's misusing empathy, but it's empathy. And so I, I feel the same way where it's like, how could parents do this? But I do think as a movement, we need to take a step back and almost ask that seriously. Like, how could parents do this? Like, they're wi yeah. they're kind of willfully harming their children. Like. We need to understand why, and they they aren't they really think that they're helping. That's that's the scary part, you know. It's that's the Orwellian part. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. it's just what the they spit out on social media, what the kids learn, what the parents hear from. I mean, it's sunken, it's claws into everything. Mm -hmm. Law, you know, doctors. I, I believe the DSM, Psychological Journal thing, whatever it's called. Um, schools. I mean, everything. Your whole mm -hmm. community. Get it. <laughs> what's the whole community yeah what's the kitty's name this is edie edie oh wolfie <laughs> you have Very two kitties fluffy. is that the one that uh, clamored or uh, knocked over it sounded like yeah they were chasing each edie and chicken oh! they're chasing each other so cute that's adorable <laughs> um the suicide hotline number i love how i just like spouted into that because i wanted to pull it up there uh, you go. Crisis text line, uh, text HOME to 741741, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-8255. Um, yeah. Huh. I don't mm -hmm. even know. If and you're supposed to mention, too, that, like, your family would miss you, and it's never a way out. And those are the kind of things that they're always forgotten when tra transgender media comes out. It's just that word is mentioned without the sort of journalistic standard of, um helping people that's really what a, the journalistic standard is there for mm. mm -hmm. um you mean like in journalism is that what i'm understanding like when you write yeah. about it so right. what are the rules about um i guess writing about it i know you touched on yeah. it briefly but specifically if you can discuss it right so as i just mentioned so it depends on how you frame mm. the act itself so like mm. Um, this was something that they'd studied. You can look up when Kurt Cobain had passed, how they Wait, were. question. Are, are these sure. like journalists that went through a certain schooling or are these like journalists with integrity? Is this, do you know what I mean? Like how enforced is this and who learned this writing style? I guess I have, that's my question. So um, I would have to look into the specifics mm -hmm. of who, I don't think anybody actually enforces the standards. Yeah. It's more of a professional understanding mm -hmm. within the journalistic community that certain things need to be written on a certain way. And so it's just that there's a lot of research that's been done about suicide in the media. Mm -hmm. So yeah, for example, like how you frame it, if you frame, this is why I think the connection to transgenderism is so strong. Mm -hmm. If you frame suicide as a, as a way out of your problems, then you're way more likely to 
initiate a domino effect. Whereas mm -hmm. if you explain suicide as um, an answer, a permanent answer to a um, impermanent problem, okay. right? Is that how they say it? Yeah. So like framing it as, for example, how impactful it will be on your family mm -hmm. rather than framing it as leaving your suffering mm -hmm. um, is a very important like there's something mental, there's something emotional that happens in humans when they view it that way. And so actually mm -hmm. this ended up happening yeah. with, did you hear Real 13 talk. reasons why the- Oof, not a fan, fucking terrible. Right. I feel like that well, was like, oh, that could have been re, that could have been some sort of propaganda. Apparently the co-owner of Netflix is the uncle or nephew or something of, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name, uh, not Foucault. I don't know why I keep thinking that. The guy, the father of propaganda. I was like, oh, of course it is. Like, interesting. Ugh. Also, that show You was all about a stalker. Mm -hmm. I keep thinking about that for some reason of it just being like normalized, like stalking mm -hmm. and just creepy shit. Sorry, go ahead about the no. reasons why. That's exactly it because there's a difference. A lot of people just want to talk about having freedom of speech. And I also believe in freedom of speech, but we have psychological yeah. studies to show that yeah. what different what different speech does to affect people. So that's why there's, I don't think it's enforced because, you know, freedom of speech is very strict in this country, mm -hmm. but um, there is like sort of just a journalistic understanding that talk, it's like, it's sort of shunned in the professional community that you would ignore certain standards mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. that's the same thing happened with 13 Reasons Why, where they were dealing with one of their main characters had committed suicide and the way that they framed it was dangerous essentially. Mm -hmm. And so like, you sure, really think we, that was accidental? I have a question. Do you think that was accidental? The thing is, it's hard to see it as accidental because mm. in the media community, it's so well understood that su suicide is contagious, especially among teenagers. It's especially contagious among teenagers. So it's like, it's hard to assume, like, I always think I'm kind of like, I'm nobody. So if I'm nobody, then like industry professionals probably know that, you know, as, if you're an industry professional and you're making this big budget Netflix, you know, you have tons of people working on your team. It's just, it's hard for me to imagine that somebody didn't know. So oh, I don't think it's, they didn't know. <laughs> I think that, well, skeptical mind, but honestly, right. <laughs> of what the intention was. Yeah. Yes. I'm like, I don't. Yeah. Well, who runs they responded shows? to the backlash and they, they mm. like re reworked the whole ending because yeah. of, but I think that that's what most things or uh, movie, any any like entertainment industry or anything where they'll like skate along. Like, can we get away with this? Can we get away? Oh, shit. They yeah. didn't like that. Oops. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you want to know why I know that for a fact? Um, I came from I came from the gaming industry and there was a whole, you know, gaming me too thing. Um, God, what year is that? Two years ago. I was personally affected by it. Ubisoft. Fuck you. You harvest rapists. And you protect rapists. Uh, you should be ashamed of your fucking self. Um, you knew what you were doing. Don't play dumb. Because I saw how they treated me and other people. Uh, it was really dirty, I've got to say. Like, I, there is this uh, Discord group for the Ubisoft star players. Star players make you feel special to basically where you're already a content creator for Ubisoft games. And when they give you the star player status, they make you feel like a star. And I personally know and believe that it makes the gamers who are already awkward and it's basically love bombing. So it feels like I and others owe them to be like, oh, now I really have to do content creating for free for life because you gave me something so special. 
Anyway, um, we had our own Discord group, and there was these two fucking trolls, and weirdly enough, like, one of the guys who was a star player previous years back for the crew, dumbass game, ugh. Anyways, um, he ran that Discord, but he's not been a Ubisoft employee. I'm like, why hasn't the um, ownership of this Discord been given over to an actual employee? Like, they just, I don't know, whatever. So me and other women were talking about, like, our trauma or just questioning what the whole star player program was because... Um, the amount of star players, I'm just going to throw out a number. I think it was like 30. When I was a star player, there was an overwhelming, um, over, you know, a majority of women that were chosen. And I'm like, so in the gaming industry that is dominated by males, I'm supposed to sit here and believe that this is not a fucking conspiracy to bring young girls who look up to the, uh, programmers, employees, you know, a lot, this is from, this is E3. This is a serious convention. I think it's one of the biggest in the world where people come from all around the world that have made these games and they have these fucking young people looking up to these people that work for Ubisoft and they just pick them out of a fucking pond to rape, groom. I mean, it happened to me. I know what happens to other people. I've had other women come forward and tell me about their fucking experience. It's a thing. I mean, this is not shocking in any uh, sense of the form. I guess I was very naive, but it's just a male-dominated culture. Um, But um, back to the Discord thing. So me and other women were just talking about it and... It was a very, very sensitive topic. There are, we are actual victims of this shit. And the guy that ran that Discord, who used to be a previous star player, was like laughing at us, mocking us. And I, I mean, right now I'm getting so nervous talking about it. I was like, and, and the, I, I know for a fact there's a woman and there's a man, Alan and Lily something, I don't know, Lily Poe whatever. They were there. They saw that happen. They did nothing. You want to know what they did? They told me to calm down. Oof. me yeah. i was like i mean i couldn't i i really had that moment of oh my god i'm not protected the right. males are being protected um it was just shattering um I, yeah. I i saw and that was just one fucking example of ubisoft protecting men um oh it was so awful it was so awful like i, I I have no words like that was I was very fresh on like telling my story because it started with one woman who had been raped by this guy, um, Esco Blades, whatever, African-American dude uh, who had a huge online presence. People like loved him. One of those crazy, insane narcissists where people like fawn over him for I don't even know what, why it's crazy. Um, He raped a girl and um, she told her story and it causes crazy ripple effect. And I read her story and, you know, all of these stories are almost a fucking identical. Uh, conventions, a lot of alcohol, free alcohol, uh, open bar, um, party fest, a lot of men. Um, extremely you know, and like crazy. you said, yeah. taking advantage of people wanting to be in the middle of something and be involved and be in an organization, be special, be, you know, yeah. like that's. That's why they yeah. praise you. That's why, you know, and it's the same thing with transgenderism. All of these different spaces have something that's so common. And like yeah. being able to see that is so important. Yeah. Like you said, the stories are similar. Oh, yeah. Largely, so we just need to sit down and figure out all these patterns. Listen to the stories. That's why, you know, yeah. I would like to get to a point where I interview um, these sisters or D trans people because those are, man, I, you know, I started my research, I believe, in November of all this. And I'm always like, okay, if you are, you want to call me a bigot or transphobe, whatever. Don't listen to me then. Please listen to the D trans 
generation mm-hmm. because their stories are so raw, so real, and they really give you that inside perspective of holy shit. And you really understand the, you know, the grooming and the extremely yeah. inappropriate sexual nature of like everything of, you know, men pretending to be women, grooming uh, young girls that are pretty or think they're men. It's just, it's mm-hmm. really devious mm-hmm. and insidious and demonic and just fuck it's so awful and all of this yeah. abuse is so normalized it's so mm-hmm. normal time and mm-hmm. again and I, I guess i'm glad i didn't live through that but i'm horrified seeing it now with young people who don't know any better they're being told that talking about sex to some stranger online is okay and it's healthy right. it's right and your I'm genitals saying. i mean the entire movement is like obsessed with talking about and they try to Genitals. say that we're obsessed with it. I'm like, right. everything they say is what they do. I'm so over that. I'm like, okay. Right. It's a projection. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So how did you get involved in this, you know, transgender ridiculous takeover? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was going to mention that, too, because you said, like, um, pointing people towards street detransitioners because so many people in this community say we can't like understand it without listening to someone who's experienced it. So that's actually like sort of my origin story where um, I found, fa- I found out about this when Bruce Jenner like came out oh, yeah. publicly mm-hmm. and that was the first time I'd truly like, huh, questioned it. And I started reading stuff and I started becoming critical, but mm-hmm. I also realized that I, again, I experienced, like I said, I was a tomboy, but I had so many moments in my youth where I was like, was I born wrong? Or, you know, like, especially before you hit puberty and your bodies are so similar to boys' bodies that... Yeah, I have a question. Was it mostly exterior how you looked, but it wasn't how you thought, right? I'm, I'm just No, it was for- both for me. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, yeah, well, because... Yeah, so um, I, I really think it was like, like we've been talking about a social inclusion thing because... Mm. Um, so I'm, you know was sorry my cats oh that's normal yeah perfect so yeah I was athletic when I was young and I cut my hair short and um it's just like whenever we were doing stuff as kids we would kind of split up between boys and girls Mm -hmm. and the boys did athletic things so I Mm -hmm. think that's why I tended towards um hanging out with all the boys and it so it was both you know it was like you know I remember, um, like, for example, before puberty, like, my chest was the same as boys' chest. So I didn't really understand why girls had to cover their chests up. Hmm. Like, that was something I remember confusing me a lot when I was a kid. Um, or, like, having dreams where I was at the beach <laughs> without my shirt on and, like, feeling really uncomfortable. But then thinking, well, boys don't have their hmm. shirt on, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, that mm-hmm. kind of confusion. But the social confusion, too, of, like, whenever you're in athletic spaces, when you're a girl, it's very, like um, – you're, if you're good at it, then you're good for a girl. Mm. And if you're bad at it, then it's like, oh, you're you're the girl, so you're not good at it. You know, so it was very like, I don't want this to be a thing. And so when you're like in those athletic spaces, you really want to just participate. And it's like, you don't want people looking at you, but when you're the only girl, I think that played a big role for me. Yeah. yeah. So at school, they would separate like, or are you saying that when you would do like recreational sports during school or maybe after school, that the men would go or the boys would go play their sports and then you would join them. It was basically only you. Yeah. So it was like organic, honestly, like throughout my whole life, like um, whenever we were like having a day out or going to the beach or going to the park, it was like the boys would play soccer and the girls would, I I mean, I don't know what the girls would do because I didn't hang out with them, (laughs) you know, like I would always go play the sport, you know? And so it, it was just organic in my circles and, you know, maybe it would have been less confusing if there was girls who wanted to play sports, too. But yeah. I was the it only one. It sounds like nobody held you back as well. And they were OK with it, whether it was your, uh, your parents or 
the teachers or whatever, they weren't like, oh, no, you can't or whatever, which is, I think, awesome. Um, and I just think that really, I guess, goes to show how that's, I guess, bred into um, males and females about, you know, male things and female things that oh, girls don't play soccer or whatever, um, mm -hmm. for where I would think that a lot of girls are just, you know, are taught from early age, Barbies and all that shit, where if you were to, at least in my family, uh, like I know I was raised like that. And I don't, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but I also don't think it's, I can't say that it's great that, you know, um, well, I know for a fact, my mom would be like, you're not doing that. Like I know for a fact, um, oh, no. because she basically chose like, I don't know. I hate saying that, but, uh, that's how her parents always live yeah. through kids. Um, yeah. cause I wound up liking cheerleading, but I also realized I was like, but she made me do that. I, I don't, I didn't want her to do it. Like I was crying. Mm. Yeah. Um, I was like, uh, but it's just one of those things where, well, I don't know what I was saying, actually, honestly. Uh, no, it's a very strong social idea, you know, yeah. and that's where the resistance from the other side comes from, where even though you're right, like my mom was like that, because I think it's because my mom experienced that as well, where she was mm. kind of tomboyish and athletic, mm. too. And cut, she always cut her hair really short, which is like, mm. um, you know, like people always used to call me a dyke. I remember when I was really? and I remember oh being, God, yeah, in third grade, in yeah, third grade. I mean, and it's like, Jeez. obviously, I didn't want to be made fun of. So that's where the confusion came from, where it's like, well, yeah. why can't I have short hair? Yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. That's so sad. Mm -hmm. Fuck. Mm -hmm. But I was lucky I had a mom that told me, like, no, it's fine. Like, yeah, that's great. But it's still something I had to experience socially, you know, right. and it hits you really hard because you of don't. Of course, you're so confused. When you're a I'm kid. Sure. Yeah, you're so naive. You're like, I want to play soccer. I want to cut my hair, you know, yeah. and then it's like, all of this attention focused on you, you know, it's yeah, difficult. Like, why, why is everyone looking? I'm just doing what I want to do. You're doing it right. too. I want to do it too. What's right. The problem? You don't uh, even think twice about it. There's this na naivety, you know, and this like um, yeah. beautiful innocence that just gets shattered because of these no, social no. demarcations. Yeah. Yes, it's so true. Gender yeah. social con construct. Someone tried to say that it wasn't, and I was like, mm, I don't know. I don't know. This shit's confusing sometimes. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess I got – probably got you off track about uh, – No, it's okay. Yeah, we were kind of going over, like, how I got into the – Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the, uh, yeah, the Bruce Jenner thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, the Bruce Jenner thing. So – it really occurred to me as I was going through the Bruce Jenner thing and like studying it and stuff that I was like, wait, I went through this. Oh, wow. Like I experienced mm -hmm. this and it's just like, it wasn't called being trans then it was called mm -hmm. being a tomboy. Right. And nobody medicalized you and nobody thought you really were a boy. It was no. just like, was like an athletic girl. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and that's really like the more I spoke out about the whole gender issue, the more people encouraged me to because of this phenomenon that like, mm -hmm. Apparently, you can't say anything unless you've experienced it, and I experienced it. So people yeah. were like, you need to speak up more. You need – you know, because yes. of that fear, too, that people are just like – it's that, that's it. You're a bigot if you disagree. You're just a bigot. Well, and so purpose. That's to keep you in fear and to go along with the rhetoric and repeat what they say. Right. And it's Emotional keep, manipulation. Yeah, it's to keep you silent. It's to keep you from critically thinking. It's to keep you from talking to, to exposing the truth. It's to keep – from exposing the truth of fucking reality. Yeah. Of course. The of course boring truth. You. <laughs> I don't think it's boring. I think reality is fascinating and wonderful is and very complicated and nuanced yeah. and 
and different and, and problematic and everything, you know. I, You're totally right. I just always think like we explain the birds and the bees. That's what we do. It's like the most basic thing. I know. I had to go back when I first started this. I was like, wait, what is the difference between yeah. gender and sex? And that's why I bought older dictionaries from 1995 and the first go. dictionary ever from 18 whatever, which my God, their definition of female or woman is not great. Not oh, interesting. great. But I was like, obviously it's from the 1800s. Let me get yeah. that puppy out. Um, oh, Jesus, there goes half the shelf. Not really. Okay. I have tabs, so let's see. Okay. This is from 1828. I love this thing. Um, yeah, I've literally I love to go back books. to like, I know. Well, this is an old, it's, uh, they've actually reprinted this thing. Um, it's on Amazon. Oh, look, it's green. You can't. <laughs> um, oh, that's original, funny. <laughs> it's the original book from 1828. Um, let's see. Back here somewhere. <laughs> so this is woman. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Da, da, da. God, I'm not going to say, okay. Well, I'll say it. Fuck it. Because I was like, I can't say this. It's going to give the transgender people more fuel for their fire. Whatever. <laughs> um, the plural as written seems to be womb-men, but we pronounce it, this is weird. Well, no, no, it's not weird. I get it. W-I-M-E-N, women. And so it ought to be written for it is from the Saxon with man, comma, wife man. I don't even know. The fem- I haven't gotten to the part yet. The female of the human race grown to adult years, blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> women are soft, mild, pitiful, and flexible. <laughs> um, well, they so- are pretty flexible, though, like compared to <laughs> men, I think, yes. <laughs> That's true. That's great. Oh, my God. We see everyday women perish with infamy by having been too willing to set their beauty to show. It gives like examples of, I guess, writers and it says Rambler, I guess that's a writer. Um, I have, it's just, I guess it's not a definition, it's examples. I have observed among all nations that the women ornament themselves more than the men that that wherever found, they are the same kind, civil, obliging, humane, tender beings, inclined to be gay and cheerful, timorous and modest <laughs> i know uh yep let's see i think that was it but uh let's see what was female curious now that we're have the book open um, it's very interesting <laughs> i know i know what oh this page maybe female is well let's see woman see feminine among animals, one of the sex which conceives and brings forth young. Motherfucker. Exactly. I love that I just said motherfucker. Wow, how appropriate. <laughs> God. Among, well, it talks about plant stuff, obviously. Noting the sex which produces young, not male as a female. I don't know. It gives an example as a female bee. It was much less uh, notorious than I thought it'd be. Uh, the sex which produces young, not male. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty simple. Anyways. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's what I was, yeah, having to basically go back to my own school and be like, okay, what the fuck are the differences? Yeah, we really are right. teaching birds and bees type stuff. And mm-hmm. well, well, our logic on that is considered like grandma, uncool, outdated. It's not yeah. the uh, modern science or whatever. Science. It's the Western colonialist. Uh... <laughs> oh, is that what they say? Oh my God. Yeah, they say that, like, yeah, biology is, like, um, an oppressive structure created by, like, Western colonialism, and that's, the the binary is um, an oppressive 
idea of this sort of like rigid Western objectivism where it's like, we can know things. And, you know, I guess like non-Western people can't know things. <laughs> that's kind of like, how. It's like the queer theory stuff. God, all that's mm -hmm. so dangerous. And like, I, all, a lot of it is a, uh, I get it. And I'm like, yeah, that does sound like I get it. Like I can see why they think it'd be uh, oppressive or whatever you said, constrictive or something. Um, mm -hmm. oh, God. It's well, like, that's it's, the thing. It's, it's so like... not true though. It's like, what? you don't have to make your fantasy what you want to be like a, a real thing where you try you know mutilate your body um right being able to find the nuance is the most important thing because so for example like one of the first like true waves of science was structuralism and that's sort of like what postmodernism postmodernism seeks to eradicate is this basic idea that like i guess using science you can understand reality that's like what structuralism was mm. um but the first wave after structuralism was post-structuralism and that included feminism and feminist perspectives. And so they didn't at that point basically say that you couldn't find an objective reality. What they said was that trying to find an objective reality is structural in, in nature. So I'll give you an example. During structural, structuralism, there were men who studied I think they were like chimps or some sort of like chimpanzee. Mm -hmm. And they had a very difficult time attributing behavior to female chimpanzees because mm -hmm. of their structuralist perspective as a male. And so post-structuralism was about, okay, there are different types of objective reality, but it's almost as if like different people can observe them differently. So when you had female scientists observing the same chimpanzees, it was easier for them to attribute certain kinds of behavior to female chimpanzees that men had a difficult time doing. But you'll note that that's, that's not an exercise of throwing out objective reality, which is what postmodernism does, which is why I'm like, I'm more of a fan of post-structuralism, which is like, okay, there is an objective reality. We have to be very careful to the lens that we use and the way that we're viewing it and the assumptions that we're making. And quite frankly, being able to expand it to different viewpoints and test those viewpoints mm. because um, there is something wrong with the notion that that we could just know things or that like mm. um, like we know that for example like in scientific understanding like we've made a lot of mistakes and we've made a lot of um, but it's in it's in service of something greater and so being able to see that like not everybody gets it right the first time and we all have a limited lens and being able to articulate what the lens is is really important and um, yeah, where it gets dangerous in transgenderism and uh, postmodernism is where they just, they throw out objective reality. It's like, we can make up reality. Yeah, While it's the like- the rest of us are living in reality. Like, how is that mm -hmm. gonna work exactly? Yeah. And, unless you convince everyone of this fantasy yeah. reality, I guess. And you know, reality will smack you in the face because you can think that you're the opposite sex all you want, but 10 years down the line, when you're really sick, um, you know, reality will catch up to you. And so- Yep, that's usually when the desisting and regretting starts, where what I've heard time and again is they chop off a body part that they were obsessing over and so much yeah. anger. I'm like, when they have anger and they hate it, I'm like, that's trauma. I think I, yeah. I personally believe that's freaking trauma. And there's nothing right. wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having trauma. This is what I always want to reiterate. And I think it's interesting that you came to all this, I guess, because you had your own personal um, story that you're like, oh, I know what this is. So then you, I, I'm going to have to assume that you started doing research and, and just you you know immediately became a part of it because of your own history and that was also my ordeal 
I was the youngest of my whole family. Um, I always felt like I was casted out or the black sheep or thrown under the bus, mm-hmm. ignored, um, where I wanted to, you know, I rebelled and I wanted my own, to do my own thing. Um, and I had anorexia for six years and the parallels with that are crazy big. So that's also why I'm so emotional about it because I've been there. Like, I mean, of course it's not been the, uh, the gender or the sex thing, whatever. Um, but the parallels are, you cannot ignore them. They're incredibly similar. And people always say that it's, you know, this whole trans thing is a new anorexia eating disorder thing, um, because they are so similar and they are so insanely body obsessed Mm-hmm. And I was going to say body obsession and like a look the way you look obsession, having that dysmorphia of not oh, being yeah. able to see yourself clearly. Oh, yeah, yeah that's so real. Many... And I had mm-hmm. that. And I feel like I honestly, I feel like I definitely still have it. It's one of those things that this shit is so psychological and so deeply embedded in like to mm-hmm. really, truly escape it. I don't know about that. You know, I spent six years of that shit and I really believe the more time you spend in it and the more, you know, I found like my own online, online family mm-hmm. where I didn't talk to my family. I was like, my family sucks. And thank God there wasn't this like grooming culture of like, oh, does your family hate you? Come join the glitter club and be yourself. <laughs> I'm so thankful that that wasn't a thing. And yeah. I only had my uh, online anorexia forum club. That wasn't a club. It was just a select few, a lot of all females, funny enough, all fucking females. It's been, the, you know, this whole thing has been talked about with the whole female spread with the youth that it's even more of, I believe, social contagion with uh, young women or mm-hmm. young girls, you know, the whole like, um, hysteria. There was like this dancing, um, social contagion from like, I think the 1800s where they like danced and fainted. Like it was mostly mm-hmm. women. Um, so God, that was a whole tangent. Um, yeah, no. And that's true. According to the statistics, like if you look at gender clinics, it used mm-hmm. to be majority boys and now yeah. it's majority girls. So that's true. You no know, one's questioning that of how, if you look at mm-hmm. the charts, like, of course it, I don't know. I just feel like, well, everything, there are silenced. obvious patterns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just think that that shit's being silenced, removed, not published. So many of these studies, like the Tavistock stuff was published like a, I don't know if it was published a year later or whatnot. You know, it's just the truth is being hidden from every angle. And that includes me, my existence uh, or what I have to say about it. Um, And I'm sure you, um, I don't know if if you've had any personal experience of being silenced or deplatformed or... I'm sure maybe in person, if you had any of that. I've definitely been targeted online. It's more by individuals, you know, mm-hmm. like death threats and violent threats. And um, I've had people contacting my my um, different employers over the years. But luckily, I just set myself in a, in a situation like in the position where it wouldn't matter. But I know that, you know, a lot of people don't have that. So I think I've yeah. just been lucky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same mm-hmm. here. Um yeah, oh, lordy. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, how did you hear about the women pick a DC thing? Oh, so I was friends with the director Courtney. Just like in passing, we'd spoken a few times. We supported each other's work because she was kind of a doula, and she went through that whole situation that happened with her community. Um, and I just like to be in contact with random people who are working on this topic. Like, mm-hmm. especially, like I said, I'm, I'm very against that idea of like purity politics. So I just try to make connections with anybody that I can, um, on different topics. And I'm also the kind of person where I really appreciate disagreement. So, yeah. um, you know, I like working with nonpartisan groups where 
I just feel like there's so much different strength that goes into it um, when it comes to, like you're saying, like this whole, like, we're all going to be the same. Welcome to the glitter club, you know, of just like everyone's the same and everyone that kind of freaks me out. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of freaks yeah. me out. It's not, yeah. It, so it's, it's, it's intentionally uh, divisive and separates mm -hmm. you from actual protection. They manipulate yeah. reality. This whole thing is manipulating reality 100% yeah. through and through. Lies, lies, yeah. lies, 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 mm -hmm. lies, lies. Mm -hmm. And that's where it's like, if we're really going to have all these political problems where we can't really understand what the truth is, then it's almost like this is one of the most important topics because we need to start from the base bottom. You know, this is like fifth grade stuff. So yeah. just like working our way up from there, I, I do like participating in nonpartisan coalitions and um, just like re retaining myself as like an independent journalist. So yeah, just like if anybody's working on any individual projects, I love to work as a consultant. So anybody could reach out to me as a consultant. Yeah, um, awesome. So I have a Facebook. You could find me on Facebook, Charlie Ray. I have like a personal one and I also have um, like a journalist page. So either of those could be contacted. I also have a YouTube. Um, I should get back into doing YouTube. I, I yes, started you something. Look, you already have this set up. You're able to do it. Yeah. Go. I started doing something called Social Justice Cults and I was like kind of getting into YouTube. But then the pandemic hit and my life seriously altered. So that's sort of why I put that on the back burner. Mm -hmm. um but people could could go there and potentially reach out to me yeah and i'm a writer in general so just charlie ray okay how do you spell well charlie and then r-a-e right correct yeah cool cool awesome. yeah well i mean i mean if, if there's anything else you want to talk about you can honestly go for it no one yeah definitely yeah um i guess my most important message to people yeah is like taking the time to understand what you're up against, taking the time to understand the world around you. Like we or said, whatever you're supporting. Yeah. Yeah. The nuances of objective reality, the nuances of what's happening. Um, especially when I look at how people treat each other, like I said, I, I hate that our side kind of paints the other side as hate, as hateful and as misogynistic because I agree that transgenderism is misogynistic as a concept, as an ideology, but I really think that most people, they mean well. Yeah, and I, yeah, it's not really that think, everyone means well, yeah. mm -hmm. but a lot of people do. It's but like these kids that they just mm -hmm. want to fit in and the parents who just want their kids to be safe and mm -hmm. yeah, trying to see everything that we're doing from a very human perspective, I think is, is my message. That's a wonderful message. I can, I love that. That's fantastic. It's, it really uh, brings it down to a living reality where, you know, whatever the sex, no, no sex, no gender, let's just bring it, you know, human. You mm -hmm. need to respect me and, I, and I'll respect you and we'll respect mm -hmm. each other. And if you can mm -hmm. listen to me, I will absolutely listen to you. And that's and also another thing where there's been this crazy disconnect of no conversation, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate because it is, I do definitely certainly think that they've been captured by the cult like mindset of, and they don't, they don't see it for what it is, um, yet, I guess. And it, it really is unfortunate. I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, yeah. well, thank you so much for being on. It was, I'm so happy. And this was your first interview, like yes, ever. Yeah. My first, like, what? you know, video interview. Yeah. 
Well, it's been an honor. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And you know, it was great to meet you in DC. I think you're awesome. Like you have so many skills. It was great to meet you. I love you. you. Yeah. Yeah. I love you too. Oh my God. Well, until next time, party people. Great. Yay. 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 I hope you guys enjoyed that. Charlie is so awesome. And I really enjoyed having time to talk to her. Um, she's a wonderful, you know, with psychology and philosophy and just, she's so, she's so brilliant. I really love having conversations with people that isn't just, uh, how's the weather? Oh, yep. Oh, did you see the Braves game? Like, uh, I really don't like those conversations, you know, quote, small talk. I love talking about real shit. Like, Hey, let's just launch into our childhood trauma or abuse trauma and let's really get into it. And I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I understand why people don't do that because not everyone trusts everyone. But anywho, um, yeah, what else did I want to say? I am working on getting my shop set up. Actually, by the time this comes out, it'll likely be out. So since Etsy is a piece of shit, um, weird, why is my computer doing that? Um, I'm doing my own shop on my own website, which is actually what I wanted to do anyway. So in a sense, (laughs) thanks Etsy for being dick holes and denying that women are even a quote protected class um you gave me the push to finally put out my own shop on my own website which is like i said what i wanted to do anyway Um, i'm going to be selling my pins and the swarovski pins there that people have been clamoring over i'm like ah hold on i know my shop is coming out i promise my skeptic pins will be there um and other um you know stuff that i make i'm going to definitely make a adult human male patch and pin and I want to make one for kids but I I, for some reason I'm breaking my brain about like it's not adult I don't a child child human female hmm I guess I should look up the definition of girl anyway um I don't know what else to say I didn't really write any notes um gosh I don't know uh yeah I went back home um after the uh Washington D.C event and it was amazing for the first time in a long time I really connected with my family and my middle sister it was a wonderful bonding experience and um, being able to talk to my nieces and nephews was really awesome Um, you know I used to have this aversion to my family being like oh they didn't accept me they didn't love me the way I should have and I had so much animosity and just anger and bitterness about my family but as soon as I got all that worked out um I think it was last year with my therapist I it it is life altering I have got to say to finally go home and not automatically think in my head that oh you know oh this is a family that doesn't like me you know it's why I didn't go home for so many years because I didn't feel accepted um yep so you know it doesn't mean like there wasn't some sort of it doesn't mean like the neglect or um uh abandonment you know, didn't, that doesn't mean it's like erased now. It just means I've, you know, gotten past that and, um, you know, just going on with my life, really not holding on to past issues. And I know it's, it's a really tough, difficult thing to do. I mean, it took me how many years? Um, just, I guess it makes me really sad because I, I think I see that in some of my, some of my siblings and I'm sure there's so many people out there living like that. Um, I guess just once you start um, living in a way that you don't let those things that have happened to you really define you and you put a stop to that and go, no, I'm going to define my own fucking self. This is not about, 
uh, the traumas that I had happened to me, you know, um, there's just a time to let, I guess, I don't know, let go of that stuff in a sense of mentally starting a new um, page. It's very relieving. It's very, um, you really, you know, it's tough. Like finding your path back to yourself is really difficult and facing your quote demons and your childhood crap is really not like it's really hard it's really tough it's not easy it's really not fun but this sense of peace and uh being like reborn is so real and you know it's just one of those things that nobody's no one is going to do it for you you know once you stop I guess blaming the outside world or oh blaming your mom or your dad or your brother or sister or whoever once you stop doing that and you start taking your own life in your own hands, that's when you can start. That's the only way you'll ever make any change. You can't rely on the therapist to like pull you out or always be there. You know, um, I think my mom told me once in my life, like, you know, something along the lines of nobody's going to save you. Look at it. No, you know, if you've fallen over and your shoelaces got stuck in your bike and you scream help, and it's 5 a.m. in the neighborhood and no one hears you, no one's going to help you. You have to lift yourself up and do it yourself. And that means doing the mental work yourself, which is, you know, reading um, books about, uh, I guess, childhood stuff. Read a book called The Body Keeps the Score. I cannot recommend that. That book, recommend that more. I didn't finish my sentence there. That book is incredible. And it just talks about, like, really what it sounds like, um, how trauma and... uh, how, how trauma really affects the body, like physically. It's, it's, it's so fascinating. That book is good from the beginning to the end. I, got, I bought the audiobook of that one, but man, I really highly recommend it. Um, and then there's another one called Already Free. It's a book and uh, it's incredible. It's really heavy, like mentally. I can only read a couple of pages at a time because it's like, whoa. Um, yeah, I watched The Matrix on the plane. Um, I was a little bit, I took a half of a mint edible and it was awesome. Like, there's some stuff in the movie I didn't realize or really pick up on back when I saw it because I didn't have a much more um, under, I didn't have a bigger understanding of the world and how it works back then as I do now. So it was really trippy. And also the Wachowski uh, brothers are now quote <laughs> in girl mode. They're fucking, you know, sorry, let me remove the fucking there, but I just said it. How do I remove that? They're now trans identifying males, so I wanted to watch the movie to be like, what is the hidden message here? Um, anyway, I digress. Um, don't forget to rate and review my podcast on Apple Podcasts. This matters with visibility on Apple Podcasts. It makes a difference, so you too can make a difference. And as always, you can support my work by becoming a patron on my Patreon. Head over to patreon.com forward slash distorted lens. And remember, question everything. Curiosity will save humanity. Um, remember reality. Also, I forgot to say, I have a new design in my red bubble. Go check it out. I love it. I designed it off of, uh, is inspired by the hypercolor shirts from the 80s. Um, if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, then I'm sure you'll still like it because it looks awesome. And I painted all that. Yep, that was all hand done. Anyway, uh, love you guys. Keep it real. Namaste. my iris why can't i cry about this maybe there is something that you know that i don't 
We adopt a brand new language, communicate through pursed lips, and you try not to put on any sexy clothes or graces. I might never catch a mouse and present it in my mouth to make you feel you're with someone who deserves to be with you. But there's one thing we've got going And it's the only thing worth knowing It's got lots to do with magnets And the pull of the moon Why won't our love keel over As it chokes on a bone And we can mourn its passing And then bury it in snow Or should we kick its content? And watch as it dies and bleeding If you don't want to be with me Just say and I will go We can change our partners This is a progressive dance But Remember it was me who dragged you up to the sweaty floor This has been a real I've got shin splints and a stitch from weed But like a drunken night's best bits that are colored in Should look through some old photos I adored you and every one of those Someone took a picture of us Now they need to be told That we had ever clung on tight A navy knot with arms at night I'd say she was his sister But she doesn't have his nose And now we're unrelated And rid of all this shit we hated but I hate when I feel like this And I never hated you Hated you